Your body will tell you always what's going on. Your body will let you know how it's feeling. You just have to listen. Welcome to the Let's Start Health podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Haynes. We live in a noisy world, and this space is intended to bring you clarity, enrich your bank of wellness knowledge, and inspire you to kickstart your journey to healing body, mind, and soul. I'll be interviewing industry professionals and bringing you raw, real, and personal stories of healing through gut health, intuitive eating, and the power of the abundance mindset. Thank you so much for tuning in and getting curious. Your journey to healing starts Welcome to another episode of Let's Start Health. I'm your host, Chelsea Haynes. I am so excited to bring to you today my very special guest. Her name is Katie Maycock, and after years spent living with chronic health issues and making excuses for her health in order to achieve that top of the corporate ladder success, Katie woke up with a cold sore that took over her face and finally realized that something had to change. Because of this experience, Katie is now an anxiety and digestive health specialist. She helps type A corporate professionals, such as CEOs, directors, sales professionals, and entrepreneurs regain control of their health and overcome stress and anxiety. In this episode, you will learn some tools to help cope with anxiety and what exactly to start doing in order to bring awareness to it. I really loved Katie's straight-up, no-BS approach to embracing anxiety, coupled with her ability to share her story with vulnerability and wit. I think you will as well, and if you know that type A friend or family member that is on the road to burnout or worse, please share this episode with them. Enjoy the show! ahead and dive right in. I would just love to say, Katie, thank you so much for being here today. And I'm so appreciative of your time and your energy and your knowledge shared with us here today and anyone that might be listening. And I would just love to hand the mic right on over and ask you to, if if you don't mind, please sharing with us a little bit of your personal story and maybe what brought you to what you're doing now. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate you giving me this time and the space to talk a little bit about what I do and and my journey. So where to start? I think that the biggest thing that I want to get across to people is my journey started from when I was little. I did have anxiety as a child, but didn't know what it was. And it didn't really come to the forefront of my mind until I was in my late 20s. So when I started my career, I actually started off as a nutritionist and ended up going into the corporate world. Do not ask me why I ended up there, but I ended up in the corporate world doing corporate sales. Um, I actually worked in recruitment for quite a long period of time. And if you don't know what recruitment's like, it is very fast paced. It's really high pressured. There's a lot of movement that's going on. There's a lot of things that you've got to juggle. So for me, at, when I was you know, 23, 24, getting into the industry, I thrived in it. I loved it. I thought it was the most exciting thing that I could possibly be doing. Um, and I honestly lived like that for a really long period of time. I actually like used the adrenaline and the cortisol that was pumping through my body and the excitement from those jobs and used it as a fuel. So 
but what ended up happening was because I was so focused on work, I actually stopped focusing on myself. So I ended up working 16 hour days. I ended up working on the weekends. I could easily, easily just completely miss a whole week just by working and not focusing on myself. And by the end of it, by I got to around 20, 25, 26, and it was, you know, I'd been working pretty hard in um, recruitment for quite some time. You know, the first year in, I actually completely burnt out after my first year and, and I didn't actually realize what it was. Um, so I'm just going to backtrack to my la- back step to my last year, my first year in recruitment. So after my first year, I really had a point to prove. I actually got told that I was one of the youngest people in the team and honestly people that had been in the recruitment industry had been in there for for years and they were like you're not really gonna you're not gonna be successful don't think that you're gonna really do anything you know you're not gonna be that successful it's gonna take you years to be successful at all and I was like oh really okay I'll show you I'll show you so I put my whole butt into it (laughs) and uh I, I did really well in my first year in recruitment. Honestly, I did. I, you know, I hit all the records. I was rookie of the year. I was overtaking people that had been in the industry for, you know, 10 years or whatever it was. And by the end of that year, like I mentioned before, I actually burnt out really badly, but I didn't know what it was until really quite a long time after that. You know, after the first year, I took a holiday, went to Fiji, sat on a beach for a little bit, but couldn't get out of bed for the first four days and then ended up with a lot of, stomach issues and that's where my story really started when I started really noticing the effect of stress and anxiety on my body not that I knew it though I genuinely thought that hey it's it is what it is um but by the time I was 26 27 my health was in complete ruins I was getting cold sores all over my face I could barely get out of bed my joints were swelling to three times the size you know there was times where I couldn't really even get out of bed because my knees and my hips were so swollen um I, you know, was still trying to work the same amount of hours somehow, but yeah, my body just gave up on me and I didn't really know what was going on. And I ended up spending around 30,000 Australian dollars, if not more, trying to figure out what was wrong with my health. And every time I went to doctors, naturopaths, anything like that, they were like, oh, you're just stressed and anxious. And at that point in my life, I didn't really think that stress and anxiety was a huge issue. I was just like, hey, look, like, yeah, I'm stressed and anxious, but it's just part of who I am. It's made me successful. It's given me everything that I've wanted. Why is it making me sick now? I've always lived my life this way. And I really didn't realize that over time, stress and anxiety just really destroys your your health. So after denying probably stress and anxiety for three years, I, I took a massive step back and was like, actually, let's look at the if impact of stress and anxiety on the body. Because I was obviously a nutritionist when I first started. I'm like, let's use the skills that I learned from school and apply them. And then when I started really understanding a physical, a physical aspect of stress and anxiety, I was like, oh, okay, that is a massive, it's a massive impact on the health. So I ended up pretty much dedicating the last five years of my life, figuring out the impact of stress and anxiety on my health, fixed my own health. And now what I do is I work with people with a similar mindset that I had that didn't see stress and anxiety as a negative, but maybe their health is suffering. So that's what led me here right now. Amazing. I have heard such a parallel story. I think we live in such a time and such a day where we just praise productivity And like you said, you were fueled now, not only by the success that you were getting, but someone told you, you're not going to be successful. You know, you're the youngest employee. So now living in this society that praises productivity, someone just put Mm -hmm. a little like fuel behind you. So now, you know, do you feel like that 
little hit, you know, you turned it around and reframed it and used it as fuel. I would imagine that it could also potentially have worked against you in ways. And do you think that that little hit from somebody else might have also played into some of your pain and trauma that you experienced that you then stuffed down into your body in addition to the stress and anxiety? I I think that I wouldn't say it was those people in particular. I've always had that mentality. If someone says you can't do this, I'm like, let me prove to you that I can. I'm going to do it. It's like, it's kind of like out of spite. Mm. Um, I think it, I honestly, for me, I remember this, you know, that was my first job, but even when I was getting into uni, I had teachers at school when I was studying to get into uni or trying to get my scores to get into a university were like, you're never going to get in. Don't even, you know, you're not even going to get into university. You should quit school. And that fueled me even more. And so don't get me wrong. I burnt out when I was a teenager. Again, wasn't as severe as my mid twenties, but I did have that experience. I had a lot of people going, yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to achieve it. So I think that at a young age, we get taught realistically what success is meant to look like and what we have to do to achieve success. And if you are an incredibly literal person like myself and like a lot of people out there, you're going to take that on as like, okay, cool. I have to be working these long hours. I have to outwork the person next to me, but you don't even know what the next, the person next to you is doing. That person next to you could kind of look like they're working, but they might not be, but you might be so literal that you're working and you're really pushing yourself really hard. So I think there is an aspect of it's, it's in the pressure that we have felt from society and the pressure that we, the way that we perceive success from society as well and that can be a really personal a personal area and that was me I'm you know I I never blame anything on anyone else I do think it was the way I perceived success and what I thought I wanted as well so but people not believing in me is usually a good fuel for me and a good driver so um but if I don't catch it is when that's when the issues arise Mm. so what did success look for you at the time Back in your early 20s, you know, when you were chasing this corporate recruitment, you were doing all the things, a super fast-paced kind of adrenaline-fueled situation. What was that definition of success that you were seeking? I think at the time, I mean, my mid-20s, it was definitely money. I think in Mm. my head, money was what I needed and money was what made me successful. Um, But honestly, I've had jobs where I've earned a lot of money and nothing ever made me happy. It was like, it didn't matter how much I earned. I never really felt that happiness, but I thought that's what what success was, was, you know, be those high flying corporate people and, and, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. That was what success was and, and defining my success towards money, um, especially in my mid twenties. Um, so yeah, that was definitely what that was. Mm. It's so funny. Cause I can reflect back as well. And just to relate to that, I had, very, very similar experience. And I wonder where that comes from. Like, why do we just think somewhere along the way, we've picked up this belief that success means rising, you know, climbing a corporate ladder, making all this money. And it's not until afterwards that we realize that no matter how high I climb, no matter how much money I make, it's not going to fulfill this void inside of me, whatever Mm -hmm. that is. So I wonder where that comes from. I don't know. I don't know whether it was from the Industrial Revolution where it was like, you know, after after all the wars, it's like work hard, go to school, get a good education and don't and don't suffer. And I think that that's a massive aspect. Um, maybe that's a theory that I've got. But um, I don't know. I think it's it, 
I just remember get that getting drilled into me when I was when I was younger, and I, I like to think that society is gradually changing away from that. I, I'm seeing, you know, the younger generations coming up now taking it a little bit, it's looking at it in a little bit of a different way. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely the way our parents grew up and their grandparent, like our grandparents. I think it was definitely an era there. So I'm hoping it's changing though for a lot of the young kids because I don't want anyone coming up thinking that that's how it has to be I share that theory so strongly with you and I'm so glad that we brought it up and it's so funny when you think of generational trauma and generational Mm -hmm. beliefs that get passed down in our body of course but then also the belief systems that we pass down to our children with the intentions of wanting them to live a more abundant life but you know, our grandparents and great-grandparents, et cetera, that came from the 20s, that came from literally the Great Depression. I mean, you talk about scarcity mindset. I mean, how about Mm -hmm. literally coming from nothing, truly nothing? And I agree. I, I think a lot of what we are experiencing now, what we are working towards letting go of these beliefs is transitioning into that abundance mindset. We're actually like, you know, maybe we can live differently and maybe there actually is enough to go around and maybe mm-hmm. they are constantly printing dollars every second of every day and there's plenty of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's, it's wild that we really have to go through our own experiences. So breaking that generational trauma is really important. So this actually leads me into my next question that I wanted to ask you. So I, what would have happened, do you think, If you hadn't broken this cycle or brought awareness to the effects that your body was was taking in from all this stress and all this anxiety Mm. and all this adrenaline, what might have happened? Genuinely, I I think I would have been very sick, chronically unwell human. I was already getting there. I was already... Um, I wasn't digesting food at all. So there there was parts of my body that just weren't working. They just weren't working. My face... When I say I got cold sores, I'm not saying like little cold sores on my lip. I'm saying like a quarter of my face could be covered in a cold sore. I was getting shingles. Uh, They thought I had the beginning stages of rheumatoid arthritis. I had every, I had so many allergies. I had so many intolerances. Um, I think I would have been, if I kept on going the way I was going, I think I would have been incredibly sick. I'm, I'm saying chronically sick, not being able to function properly at all. So um yeah it's, when I look back on it it really does scare me because I remember being in the midst of it and when I was really like when I was really sick and my stomach was really hurting me and I was getting constantly getting sick and just not feeling good like there's this weird like haze of just not feeling good I really feared about what that meant for me in the future did that mean that I was going to be more susceptible to cancers lifestyle diseases like what was that going to mean for my health because obviously coming from a nutrition background I really did think about, you know, my health today is going to dictate my health tomorrow. So I, I really, uh, yeah, I, I would say I would have been a very, very sick person because we're going on, you know, I haven't really been sick for about five years. So I don't know, five years of deterioration would have made a huge difference to my life. Mm-hmm. It's a really similar story to another guest I had on just a couple episodes, Ashley Taylor. And she was actually bedridden and, and had a very similar with in cold sores, but eventually mm-hmm. her entire body broke out in hives from head to toe. So this is, mm-hmm. and, and it's interesting what we talked about. And you mentioned that at one point that 
you started having symptoms, right? You were sort of just mm-hmm. not really feeling good. You were burnt mm-hmm. out, but you didn't, you didn't really notice it, right? You went on holiday, but then you were stuck in bed for four days, but eh, we just kind of wrote it off as like, well, I'm on holiday and I just feel like sleeping and I can do that for the first time in a long time. But mm-hmm. it's so... No, I did the whole, what I think is interesting, a lot of people think that they can do is they think they can catch up. So like, mm. I haven't slept, let me catch up. And I thought I was playing catch up and that's not the way the body works. <laughs> so yes. And so I made excuses for my health. It's like, I'm just catching up. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's fine. I worked really hard. My body just needs a break. It's like... Okay, come on, you're twenty, you're twenty-four, twenty-five. Why no? That's not a that's not a logical thing to say. So yeah. And I I would venture to say that you are not the only person who says that on a regular basis, right? We make excuses for our health because we we thrive in a state of health. We we desire to be healthy. And mm-hmm. then when we're not quite feeling a hundred percent we sort of write it off. As long as we're continuing to produce, mm-hmm. you know, we seem to just underwrite those little signs and symptoms that our body is trying to tell us yeah. as normal almost, right? I mean, I, I, I had stomach issues from, honestly, I'm going to say teenager. Like I had stomach issues as a teenager. And I would honestly write it off. I was like, oh, I've just got a weird stomach. I've just got a dodgy stomach. It is what it is. It's just really sensitive. And I just mm-hmm. threw it off like that. Oh, I've just got IBS. Like there was nothing really like, I was just like, nah, it's fine. But until it actually stopped me in my tracks was that, you know, I did have it for 10 years, if not longer, this dodgy stomach. But obviously as it progressed to get so bad that I couldn't get out of bed, that's when I looked at it. And I think it's really sad that we wait until our whole life is in shambles before we do anything. And that's exactly what I you know, that's why I do what I do. I don't want people to go wait until they're completely burnt out, wait until their health is at a point of crisis. And then like, yeah, okay, I'll fix it now. It's like, no, there's that, your body's telling you I'm not coping. Actually listen to it. Mm, And learning how to listen to it is such Mm -hmm. an interesting process and can be so helpful to have someone like you or a a health coach or a therapist or someone Mm -hmm. to lead you through it. So I'd love to ask you about, you mentioned using this anxiety or I shouldn't say the anxiety, maybe the adrenaline as fuel when you first Mm -hmm. started. So I'd love to shift a little bit into kind of your expertise now. And how would you say that this anxiety or adrenaline affects peak performance and how so many people might be stuck in this belief system that anxiety is fuel so it's so funny I had a conversation with somebody yesterday about this um Mm. the way that you you know when you're a top performer you're you know you're type a corporate professional you're very successful a lot of the times you've gotten through deadlines and you've gotten through maybe sales targets or just targets in general or deadlines or whatever it is and you get through that you see the success and then you've got people positive reinforcing that so let's say you hit your target you hit your goal you get the financial reward then you get the positive reinforcement from management you get the positive reinforcement from all your colleagues and it's oh okay so what did I do differently oh I felt this way and so it becomes this cycle of you associate success with that adrenaline feeling it's like well I worked really hard um, I achieved all my goals And the way that I did that was by using adrenaline. It might not be completely conscious. It's very subconscious, I'm going to say, for a lot of people. But that's that's how it usually works. And a lot of the people in corporate, 
you know, the people that strive and that thrive in corporate and strive to be in corporate, there's, you know, it's a different mindset. It's a, I'll do whatever it takes to be successful. And they do. And, and they associate the stress, the anxiety, the adrenaline, the cortisol, the, the not needing to sleep eight hours or, you know, I feel fine. Your body feels good on adrenaline, especially if your mindset's in a good place. Your body feels good. It does. It, it's a positive feeling. And then on top of that, you get the success. You get the financial reward. You get all the positive, positive reinforcement. And I think it's just we start programming ourselves into believing, oh, to be to get that way, I have to feel these things. And I remember thinking that a lot in my sales jobs. Um, so I think it's just this constant, you know, it, it's a positive, external positive reinforcement. And then there's like a negative feedback loop going on in the body as well. So, yeah. And I think the other thing is as well, what people don't realize is it can take time for your body to break down. So if you're in that state of constant success and and striving and it can take a good few years for you to actually finally break down or for your body to go into crisis and I think that that's the biggest part is it's not an instant thing so we don't look it's like you know oh, that's future me's problem I think that's another aspect of why people do what they do right so it sounds so unfortunate because like you said, the body is now feeling good on this adrenaline. We're getting this positive reinforcement. We're making the money that we've been striving to make. So at that point in my life, why, why would I eliminate this belief that Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is a good thing? Yep. Right. (laughs) It's a really fine line. I, I, it's really hard when you realize you have to slow down. And I remember my moment. I really hated it. I was like, I have to slow down. What do you mean? That means I'm not going to be successful. It was weird. It's a, it's a mindset that we give ourselves. So maybe would you mind sharing a little bit more? Like, was there a specific moment where you just kind of woke up and you were like, dang, (laughs) this is no bueno. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I actually have the moment seared into my brain. So I, you know, I, I knew that there was something going on. I mean, I'd had moments where I actually physically couldn't work. So there were times where I'm like, I'm just going to take some time off my corporate sales job. I'll go get a little, a little job that doesn't require a lot of effort. It's just a little part-time job just to cover the bills and I'll, I'll see what it was. And then I would feel better, go back into corporate and the same thing would happen until this one day. I literally woke up and I knew I had a cold sore. We're saying like, I knew it, like my face was a bit sore. I was just like, okay, I've got a bit of a cold sore. And, you know, it's, it's, not, it's unfortunate, but normally I can hide them, they're fine. I remember getting up, I'm like, let me go into, let me walk and check in the mirror. And what I used to say to myself when I had these cold sores, I used to say to myself, let's check the damage. Because that usually meant like, how big is it? Like, what's it, does this mean that I'm going to be wearing a lot of makeup? Does this mean that it's not too bad? Like, let me check the damage. And when I was checking the damage, as I used to say to myself, I genuinely, I burst into tears. The minute I looked at my face in the mirror, I had a colostar that started from the bottom of my lip that went all the way down my chin, up my jawline, and it started to wrap around my ear. And that was the moment where I was like, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm sick and tired of having to miss days of work, leave just leaving the house because I wouldn't leave the house in that state I was just like you know it just wasn't a pleasant you know people would stare at you and being a female working in corporate sales with clients it just wasn't ideal and that was the moment where I was just like nah I'm done I'm I don't care what I have to give up I don't want this on my face ever again I don't want to wake up thinking oh let me just check the damage like it was normal so that was the moment where I was like no I'm done 
it gives me chills on my body. It really does. And thank you so much for sharing that because that's, uh, I can imagine what that must've felt like after putting all of this effort and all of this hard work into what you thought was going to give you success and then looking in the mirror and just feeling totally crushed. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's a lie. (laughs) Yeah. Life is a lie, right? Mm -hmm. How interesting is that? And, and you're right for it to take to that moment for us to think, okay, (laughs) something's got to give. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like for someone who might be listening to this right now, Mm-hmm. And they're thinking, man, like, what do I have to do to not get to that point? Do you think it's a, it's about self-reflecting and maybe just waking up and asking ourselves before we get to that point where the damage is already done, mm-hmm. asking ourselves, like, let's check the damage, but maybe, like, let's just check in with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So let's maybe shift a little bit and talk about some of these coping techniques and mindset awarenesses for, you know, if you are in this state of go, 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 how do you start to become aware that there might be damage happening? I think the biggest thing that I say to people, your body will tell you always what's going on. Your body will let you know how it's feeling. You just have to listen. And I think that that's the biggest part. A lot of the times we, for some reason, think our minds and our body is separate. It's like, no, they're actually, they're actually very well connected. Reconnecting it and actually re-engaging with actually asking yourself hard questions like, am I actually feeling good? Like, what am I actually feeling? Can I, can I remember a time when I actually felt better? And then I think the biggest thing is, is listening to the, to the language that you say to yourself because the amount of times I've heard people say oh I don't really feel good but that's just the way it is it's like what that doesn't make any sense like you don't feel good like you feel pretty crappy and you're just accepting that as okay I think it's not accepting feeling mediocre or feeling just even subpar my the biggest thing that I tell tell people and, and this is how I mean I learned questions really checking in with you you as other areas of your life as well like what what's your relationship with work friends everything outside of yourself like your own emotions like where are you at emotionally physically you know in your relationships and all those kind of things and seeing actually asking yourself am I actually is this worth it is is it worthwhile am I happy is is this what I want Mm. so it sounds to me like you're saying it's time to start asking ourselves the questions (laughs) yeah yeah, right. ask those questions. Yeah, I think that we, the amount of people, it scares me. Nearly every single one of my clients has said this to me, and I, and I don't let them say it ever again, which is, yeah, I don't feel great, but it's just normal. I'm like, no, it's not normal. It's not, a, it's not normal just to feel mediocre. Like, actually, mm-hmm. it can be different. So if you catch yourself saying that, I think it's like, hang on, like, that should be a warning sign. Like, hang on a second, could I feel better? Yeah, it's those excuses that we make in order to keep showing up again for our relationships, for our families, for our career, for all of the everything mm-hmm. else in life. But, you know, I think self-care is this sort of term that can be thrown around in the wellness industry right now. But it is so much more than just, you know, going for a mani-pedi. And that could be part of your self-care routine. It might not be. But there's so much more than just the act itself yeah self-care isn't just a on the odd occasion self-care is a daily task like you have to check in with yourself daily like you have to do Mm -hmm. things daily to make sure that you're functioning 
at your peak performance, like at your peak, not what you think is your peak and what society's telling you is peak, but what is yours? And I think that that's, that's self-care is a daily, daily task. It's not, oh, I went in, I went and meditated for the first time today in, in a month or, oh, I, I slept in a little bit today. It's like, okay, cool. Like, let's talk about that. Like, why do you need to sleep in? Like, what's going on? And I think that self-care, you're right, it's thrown around a lot, but I think it's, it's, it, it's, it's misrepresented in my opinion um, in society. I think it's really important, but I think we need to redefine what it really means. I agree 100%. I'd love to hear a little bit, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of maybe your definition of self-care and how we can start redefining what that means. Because if someone's listening to this and they think, oh, yeah, you know, some of what she's saying is really resonating, but I don't know how Mm -hmm. to define self-care for me. Maybe what's some examples that you use for self-care and how you would define it and explain it maybe to someone who's never even understood that term before. Yeah, so one of the biggest things that I do for myself and I do, I I definitely recommend a lot of people do this is I spend a lot of time by myself every day. Every day I spend, every morning, guaranteed I've spent two hours by myself. And that's that's my thing, that's me taking care of myself because I'm focusing on my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, everything that's going on with me. I'm having, I'm processing everything that I need to process for the day. And that's a reflection of self-care for me because I'm putting myself first before I'm checking my phone, talking to somebody, you know, when we check our phones or when we start talking to people before we've even digested our own thoughts or decoded what's going on in our brains, we're just adding to the murkiness that's going on in there. And I think that finding comfort in that alone time is is definitely good self-care. And that's the first thing that I do every day for myself and giving myself the space to to decompress all my thoughts and decompress how I'm actually thinking and how I'm feeling and understand that a little bit more. Cause sometimes we just wake up and we're like, I'm in a bad mood and it's like, but why? And so I give my time, myself the time and the space to figure that out. Um, so that's definitely self-care in my opinion. I love that a space to carve out just to decompress your thoughts. And <laughs> I, I love what you said, the murkiness, right? Cause that's exactly mm-hmm. what it feels like what am I doing that's adding to the murkiness and what can I do to create clarity? Mm -hmm. Mm, That is self-care for me as well. And whether that be a wind down routine at night or a wind up routine in the morning, whatever that means to you. And I think it's something important to remember that this is unique to you. Just like you said, Mm -hmm. check in with yourself and make sure you're operating at your peak. I think we've picked up from other people along the way that, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I, I have to be waking up at 4 a.m. and having this like morning meditation routine and drinking the green drinks. And, and that could create stress for somebody if that, mm-hmm. if that isn't in flow with their life. So really defining this for yourself and maybe journaling about it. What are you doing that is, I always like to say to my clients, like, what do you do when you are in flow, when you lose track of time, when you have mm-hmm. lost time and space and nothing else matters do more of that yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's really interesting what comes out and I spend a lot of time with my clients (laughs) my clients are all um they're all CEOs and managing directors and a lot of them are men and every single one of them I'm like what do you what do you do like what's what is what do you do when you're doing nothing and 
one of my clients actually, I, could, I was like, what are you talking about? He actually made me giggle quite a bit. He was like, oh, when I'm doing nothing, it's when I'm writing to work and I'm trying not to die. And I was like, that's you doing nothing. You trying not to die. And he's like, that doesn't sound relaxing, does it? I was like, no, no, it doesn't sound relaxing. So I think it's understanding. I think the other thing is as well, we live in a society where we feel like we have to constantly be doing. And I think that I've definitely fallen into this trap where I felt if I was just sitting on my couch reading a book or whatever, um, I would feel like that wasn't productive. That wasn't that wasn't efficient of my time. And I think that I had to accept that it was and I had to give myself permission to be okay with that. And that is really odd, but I think we have to give ourselves permission to just be sometimes. And that's something that I've learned, especially with my clients who get really uncomfortable with relaxing. It's not their, it's not their reset. It's not their set point, but you know, you have to get them to that point. Absolutely. I love this idea of giving permission and it's something that I've really been working on in my own life as well. And just giving myself permission to do more of what feels good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) As opposed to filling the void. I think it's really interesting. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this because, you know, I think I, you know, it's doing something that you like because you think you deserve it. It's like, why do I have to give myself permission to do something that makes me feel good? It's really odd. It's like this, we've tied it. It's like we've tied a happiness to something that is external or something like that. And it's like, well, I have to do this before I can, before I can be this or do that. And we always constantly future, we constantly future I, I ourselves. Um, and I think that's kind of scary, but yeah, it's fine to, it's fine to, you know, do what you need to do. It's fine to be you and it's fine to do you. Yeah. It's like finding our self-worth in something else. Like I will be worthy of X, Y, or Z when I achieve A, B, or C, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but that is so not the case. So let me ask you, Katie, how am I improving these coping skills for stress and anxiety, or maybe shifting some of these limiting beliefs and mindsets, how might this relate to other areas or affect other areas of one's life? For example, relationships or our connection to something greater than us. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked career, we've talked a little bit health and wellness, but really on the bigger spectrum of the life pie, how might improving these Mm -hmm. skills affect all the other areas of our lives? I think the biggest thing that I look at, especially with, I'll give you a bit of a story. I actually worked with a uh, a guy. He's a managing director, managing director of a company, and he had a little bit of anxiety. But what we actually started talking about, he wanted to know how to overcome anxiety just because of work. And I was like, okay, cool. Like that's where it's coming from. But what else? What other areas of your life is it affecting? Like. What's your relationship with family members? What's your relationship with loved ones? What's your relationship with your co- your colleagues, your employees? Like, what what is your relationships like? And when we got down to the the crux of it all, he actually realized he wasn't able to communicate as effectively with people. He wasn't listening to people. He wasn't he wasn't taking in what they were saying. And not only was that frustrating him, it was causing a gap in between their the relationship with people in his life. So. He, when we started managing his stress and anxiety and actually getting that little voice inside his head to calm down and, you know, that, that you know, the hamster wheel to, to slow down and for him to get off, he was able to pay more attention to his relationship. So he actually had better active listening skills because he's not in his head thinking about what he should be doing rather than actually, you know what, I'm here, I'm talking to this person, this is where I need to be right now. Um, and not only that, it did end up 
creating a better culture within his company. It also created a better relationship with his loved ones, his friends. He ended up spending more time with them and having more fun and being more present in that moment as well. And not only that, he actually started recognizing his emotions a little bit more. I think that when we're stressed and anxious, we just focus on the stress and anxiety, but we don't look at the emotions that might come, that might be there as well. Even for myself, when I was really stressed and anxious, I didn't understand my emotions. I didn't understand what was going on. I used a pretty much just new frustration, anger, and that was really it when I was stressed and anxious. They were my they were my set points. And I think really realizing that that was really scary and needing to get away from that was really important. So just understanding our emotions a little bit more as well and, and having those better – and honestly, when you reduce your stress and anxiety – the amount of patience you gain from other people and what you can learn from other people is out of this world. It's, you know, you end up having better relationships. Um, so that's just one thing. Yeah. And I feel like it sounds to me like what you're saying is not only can you have better relationships with everybody else in your life, but you begin to have a better relationship with yourself. So then yeah. it starts to feed into this beautiful cycle of now understanding emotions on a deeper level, maybe not labeling them anymore as bad or good, but really just Mm -hmm. accepting your broad, beautiful range of emotions that we might feel on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and understanding that that is just part of life, right? And giving ourselves permission to have more of that fun, more of that presence, more of those higher vibrational emotions because I do think, and and let me ask you this, do you think that sometimes people stop themselves from really allowing themselves to feel happy because they're afraid that they might lose it? Yeah, I think that's a big one. A lot of of people, uh, they start to get happy. It's like, it's really interesting. The minute you feel happy or you feel joy, you start thinking of all the things that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a, our brain is wide. We start like well, I call it doomsday prepping. <laughs> uh, um, so we, you know, it's the minute we start to feel happy and we're not having to like, you know, doomsday prep or whatever. It's like, okay, why don't I feel this way? What am I missing? Is like waiting. It's like waiting for something bad to happen. And then the worst part is when we wait for something bad to happen, when something minor might happen, we're like, see, I told you something bad was going to happen. It's like we prove ourselves right every time if we live in that state. But if we just embrace the happiness and understand that, hey, there's going to be some awesome times in life and just embrace them. And there's going to be some down times as well. And that is also a time for you to embrace as well and just go through. And that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be good or bad. It just, it, it, it just let it be. Mm. Um, but yes, we doomsday prep for sure when we're happy. <laughs> I've I, seen it so many times. I love that. Doomsday prep. <laughs> and you're right. I think there's <laughs> something really important and important to know that what you just said, you know, letting things be, embracing them, and then maybe shifting, you know, if there is something lower vibrational going on, right, if there's anxiety, Mm -hmm. if there's stress, if something has happened, rather than getting caught up in that cycle of feeling guilty or shameful about it, maybe we can shift towards what is this trying to teach me? So Mm -hmm. let's, let's shift right into then that actually gives me a good leeway into some actionable steps, right, on how Mm -hmm. to then redirect these triggers of stress and anxiety into real productivity? I think the biggest thing is, is don't fight it. Because I think a lot of people try and fight their stress and anxiety. It just doesn't work. Um, So people are trying to find ways not to be stressed and anxious and we put band-aids on it. So 
I think the biggest thing is, especially when we're in downtimes or whatever it is, I think it's being able to have that moment where you can press pause. So when you start to get those triggers and you start to feel that those that anxiety, firstly you got to well, firstly you've got to figure out what distress and anxiety feel to you, like where are you feeling it, and understanding that, but also giving yourself the permission to press pause and being like, hang on, there's something's off, like something's just I'm just not right because stress and anxiety is not normal. Like it, well, it is, but it shouldn't be when you're just sitting down you know, and there's nothing, no threat towards you, if that makes sense. Um, so giving yourself permission to press pause and actually start breathing into it. What I find is when we're breathing into it, we're actually changing the way that our body is producing all the stress hormones. So we're actually limiting it, we're reducing it. So we're actually reducing the physical response, which can actually change the way that we view it. Um, so changing the physical aspect is really important. So taking that moment of pressing pause and taking a few really good deep breaths and just being settled for a little bit or even removing yourself from whatever you're doing because it might be something that's just there, like giving yourself permission to go for a walk or something like that and and breaking the cycle. Don't keep doing the same thing over and over again and just hope something is going to be different. Actually change up your scenario, change your environment, go for a walk, um, do those types of things, but definitely do those breathing, that breath as well. I love that. So continuing to do the same things is just going to continue to produce the same results, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So breaking the cycle, right? Maybe getting a little bit of movement, walking, shifting. I think it's Tony Robbins, I think, says emotion is energy in motion. And to change Mm -hmm. the energy, we have to change the motion. I think he said that. And, And it's so true. And sometimes it's so interesting. Maybe you can speak to this when we are like seeing red, right. Or when we are in the Mm -hmm. trenches of those feelings, it can be very challenging to break the cycle, right. It can be, it's like the last thing we want to do. It's almost like somewhere deep inside of us, we are enjoying (laughs) the, the drama of it. So, yeah, I know what you mean. I I talk, I talk to my fiance about this all the time, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's okay to admit too. You know, I think admitting that there is a shadow side of us that likes the drama, that likes the, I don't know, it's like the binge watching the shows. You know, I think just like you said earlier, bringing awareness to all aspects of us and inviting it in and accepting it and letting it be, and then maybe nurturing those different avenues of us, right? If there is a piece Mm -hmm. of you that is sort of leaning into that drama for some type of fix, Maybe there's a healthier way to get that fix or to nurture that shadow side of us or what I like to call really our inner child or our rebellious side, that piece of us that just wants to scream and yell in the grocery store, which we feel <laughs> compelled to not do because it's embarrassing, right? Which as a child, we didn't really care. Yeah. I think accepting it is a big part. I also think understanding if you are finding yourself stuck in the drama Sometimes I like to look at when people are doing that, I like to go like, what's actually missing? Like, what are you feeling with that? Like, because you're feeling a void with that. So what is it? You know, I believe that we are all chaos. Like we all have our own chaos and where you direct it is dependent on you. You can direct your positive chaos in a positive direction. Or if you just create chaos because you're used to it, because we are, that's that's how we've got created in a way, Um, Mm. you know, being able to direct it is, is important. So and understanding why, like, what, what are you doing? Like, what is the purpose of this? Like, why, like, where is this stemming from? And I think, under, and not going at it in a judgmental way, but actually trying to understand is really important rather than 
just going like this is bad I should stop doing it it's like no and figure out why it's there and be don't don't be judging yourself on it like you know Mm. actually accept that it is who you are but it's okay to actually be curious about where did that start why why where did I where did I pick up that habit from because it's a habit you know we all you know it's a lot of relationships get built on not liking the same person but why like what what is it about that connection that you know and it's not a real connection so what is it about that why do we Mm. like doing that so I think being curious is important you nailed it on the head I through and through and even in this self-talk right rather than Mm -hmm. being judgmental about our self-talks and about ourselves shifting it to curiosity right because if I'm curious about you and the way you live your life it's impossible for me to judge it if I just stay in this Mm -hmm. beginner's mindset this curiosity mindset it's impossible to judge myself or someone else if I am just inquisitive, right? And just like what you said, what void are you feeling? If you, if there are certain techniques or coping skills that you have utilized in order to fill some type of void, that's mm-hmm. okay. Let's get inquisitive. Let's get curious about it. What void mm-hmm. are you feeling? And really what's that giving you? What's that feeling that mm-hmm. whatever that thing is, is giving you? And how can we maybe find that feeling somewhere else that's maybe a more healthy or upward spiral. actually it might be yeah it might even be a like a more positive experience rather than thinking about you know all like bad things that have happened and kind of like you know people get into that moment where they think about oh I could have said this and they get really into it it's like the moment's passed let's move on and and let's figure out why you feel feel that way um so yeah I think the curiosity piece is is really important like like you said going back to you know why is our like like you know our child self rebelling it's actually like well our ch- when we were children how curious were we you know if we got the opportunity we always ask, <laughs> the most annoying question for parents is why but actually that's the most important question a lot of the times when we're asking ourselves like but why and keep going for the why mm. until you get to the bottom of it so yeah being curious about yourself and your thoughts and and your emotions is important and it can be so helpful if somebody else is asking you the question sometimes, because sometimes we don't even have the foresight to be able to ask ourselves. So this leads me right into what exactly is it that you do now and where can people find you? So what I do now is I work obviously with people with stress and anxiety, but I actually work on the stress and anxiety as more on the physical side, on the physical aspect. So not just health, but actually how does stress physically feel? I make it tangible rather than just something that's happening inside your mind. Because I think that that can be quite daunting. But if I come and if we bring it to more of the physical aspect and make it a tangible to help you overcome that aspect, it becomes a little bit easier to manage, in my opinion, from my experience. So what I do is I work with a lot of people that had a very similar background to myself. That's not to say that no one else, I don't help anyone else, but people that are very type A, very driven. Like I said, I work with a lot of CEOs and managing directors, helping them overcome stress and anxiety and making them actually work at their peak rather than like peaking out. Um, (laughs) So that's that's what I do. And I obviously work on mindset. I would obviously work on changing business strategies. I obviously work on physical health as well. So the best places to find me are on LinkedIn. So I'm definitely very active on LinkedIn getting better on Twitter but obviously um, my name is Katie Maycock so are you going to put my name in the link obviously yes definitely I'll put a link to your um, 
LinkedIn profile right on the podcast notes. And I'd mm-hmm. love to just kind of round it all out. So if if anyone here is interested in what Katie has to offer, you can go to the podcast notes and click the link. And actually, that is where you and I met was through LinkedIn. It's one of it's, yeah. it's an awesome tool right now. And I have to say shout out to my mentor, Brittany Crystal, for uh, opening LinkedIn back up to me because I have just met some amazing people there. And it's a great way to get directly in touch with people and see really what they're all about a little bit more than just maybe a tweet, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that LinkedIn has definitely changed over the years. I really like it. So, but people, it they has. can also find me on my website as well, which I'll send you my website because that's where all everything is saved. So you don't have to go scrolling through LinkedIn to find my stuff. So I'll give you my, my, my website as well because you can find out all the blogs, all the videos, all my, all my little things are there too. So I can do that too. But LinkedIn is awesome though. I do like it's perfect. it. Perfect. Awesome. And then what's your website? Uh, so it's just my name. So katiemaycock.com. Perfect. Beautiful. And I'd love to round it out, Katie, with just a simple question. What does the term optimal health mean to you? I, for me, optimal health is working at your most efficient in every aspect of your life, not just physical health, but we're talking emotional health, making sure you have good connection, good relationships, making sure that your relationship with work is really well and that you are genuinely fulfilled in every aspect of your life. I think that's what optimal health, well, I don't think, I know that's what optimal optimal health Mm -hmm. means to me. Amazing. A really beautiful, beautiful perspective of it. I just want to say thank you so, so much again for your time, your expertise. I know that I got a lot of value out of this and I'm sure whoever's listening did as well. So I appreciate you, you and I will be in touch. Thank you. You have a wonderful day and I'll speak to you soon. You too, Katie. Thanks so much. I wanted to take a quick moment to give you, my community of listeners, some genuine appreciation. I know how valuable and precious our time is in today's world of productivity, and I couldn't be more grateful for yours today. If you feel that this episode was of value to you, I would be even more grateful if you were to share it with your people. Go ahead and copy and paste that link into messages. Smartphones make it super easy these days. Or if you're feeling really creative, pop a screenshot of the episode into your Instagram stories and send it on over to that person in your life who might need this boost of inspiration today. Don't forget to tag the podcast handle Let's Start Health and my personal account, The Yogi Yachty, so we can have all the fun connecting, building community, and sharing all the things. Thank you again, and remember, be curious and unwavering on this journey to health.